Na 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 Oscar time. Welcome to the fourth, fifth annual Chris and Mackenzie Butcher Everyone's Names Pronunciation Fest slash Oscar Short Discussion. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and how well people have done their animation and their storytelling. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today on Writers Get Animated, it's Writers Get Animated Christmas, which is Academy Awards season where we look at the Academy Award nominated shorts. Because if we don't, like only one or two other people do. I mean, outside the Academy. Right, outside. <laughs> Let's hope. Because everyone in the Academy watches every film nominated for every category before casting their vote. Right. Holy. <laughs> so today we are discussing the animated short films, as I said, nominated for Oscars. Yeah, from the 2020 slash first part of 2021 screening eligibility year. It's so weird. Just when you think this time period couldn't get any stranger, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, my whole like temporal brain calendar is thrown off because I'm like, yeah, the Oscars are about to happen. It just snowed on the East Coast as we're like recording this. Like, yeah, it's February. No, no, (laughs) it's late (laughs) April. Oh, my God. I don't understand time anymore. I thought I did, and now it's gone. And I think that goes along with some of the themes of this year's Oscar contenders. (laughs) We will do our best to uh, talk about our thoughts about these, like our Chris and McKenzie reactions, obviously spoilers for these animated shorts, um, which if you haven't watched yet, you can catch online. Go to shorts.tv and look at the options. Um, and as usual, we apologize for having not done, um, uh, extensive research and we're going to try to credit people's names who worked on these movies and drove them. Um, and I apologize if we name a name that doesn't sound like you and you are the creator listening to this podcast, please tweet at us to correct our pronunciation. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I tried to do this year, it was so nice to be able to watch them from home so we could talk a little bit about what that experience is because usually I'm we're going into the theater watching them with other people and you know having that one I'm in the theater transient kind of thing experience where you're you've seen it you've witnessed it and then you get to sit with it and think about it for a while and then we get to have our conversation about it so I tried to do that, even though I watched it at home and I had three days to rewatch them. I didn't, didn't rewatch them because I wanted to still have that. Let me sit with the reactions that I experienced and then discuss it. So if we may get some specific plot things wrong, but I think it's especially with the short films in the years past, it's been a lot about what are the ideas 
No, I'm sorry, because usually short films are like, what are the, what is the idea <laughs> that uh, that it shows, and how does it make that interesting through the art of animation and through what the storytelling of animation can do? Yeah, I think this year, like that that general thing is still happening, but I definitely feel like there's less of a overall thrust of the animated shorts together Mm. less of a theme they're all very 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 different (laughs) yeah you're you're not wrong it it's a really disparate year in terms of style in terms of tone in terms of theme and I don't know what else to say, but it's very, very different. You're right. Yeah. Well, I guess with that said, why don't we dig in? And I think we're going in the order of the shorts.tv presentation because why decide a different order? Right. They, They put it in this order for a reason. It's the way we experienced it. It's probably from... They're who they think will win. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think it's easiest and then gets challenging and then tries to like end on a high note again, which is interesting. Yeah, it's like a, a slate of stand-up comedians in a row. It's like you try to plan like the best experience overall. Like mm. start strong. Don't end your comedy show on a sad note. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's take a look at how things began. Um, first, first show, first short on the docket was Burrow from Madeline Sherafian and Michael Caparat of USA, of Pixar. Yeah. Part, uh, of, part of this Pixar, sp- Pixar spark program and i think this came out um in the spark shorts on disney plus the same day as soul if i recall right is this like would have been the the pre-show short with soul that makes sense that makes sense i know i watched it that same day and maybe in our soul episode we talked about like we'll talk about this later hey there here we are talking about this (laughs) who would have thought I th- we we would have thought we did yes we did think. <laughs> did you watch this when it first was a, uh, I guess posted came out one of those. Yes, when when it dropped on the Disney Plus, I was there to watch it. Um, I watched it with my family because it, uh, my my son Jack loves cute looking things, and I saw a cute rabbit, digging a hole, and said, "Oh, this is for us. This is this is us." Um, and Jack enjoyed it very much and then promptly said, I never want to watch it again. Because <laughs> of the scary bit? Yeah. And we'll, I think we'll talk through that. And because he, he's my emotional barometer for like when there's conflict in something, whether he's able to move through it and whether it hits too close to home for him in terms of an emotional moment. Mm-hmm. There, there are, I will 
this is slightly off topic, but there are moments in Bluey where he stops the episode and it's like, it's just, it's too satisfying. I can't watch it. I just can't watch it. It's too satisfying. It's too satisfying to watch. Which is, it's his own catharsis. Like it's too like good and enjoyable and makes him feel too many things. Like the catharsis is just too great. And he's like, I just can't, it's too satisfying for me. And I'm like, that's the first time that I've had, you know, an eight year old describe a cathartic experience, like an actual true catharsis. I mean, that's emotional maturity too. That's like, would you like this bucket of ice cream to eat right now? No, thank you. I've had enough ice cream for today. Yeah, that is too satisfying. So looking at Burrow, <laughs> we've dug into that and my son's hey. emotional well-being. Um, <laughs> dug into Burrow. I tried. I know. Um, w- let's talk about what Burrow is about. Yeah, I really like the short... I think I'm just partly on like a, a, a warm, like fuzzy, like hige, like talking animals kind of fantasy genre bent right now, though. I'm reading the last Redwall book currently, so I'm like, mm, give me badgers, yes. <laughs> um, but Burrow is about a young rabbit who is building a burrow for themselves um, and then starts to discover that this is not like the remote burrow that they thought it would be. Uh, And it's a very crowded neighborhood and they just want their one thing. And they realize that everyone else around them has done so much more with Mm. what they wanted. And they seem so much better prepared and like they've done this huge thing. And this poor rabbit doesn't feel like they can live up to that. And they kind of dig themselves into a hole, if you will, (laughs) uh, and are because they're not a bad person. Uh, forced to ask for help from everyone to resolve that problem, which then is a life lesson about, like, you can ask for help for making your burrow, too. Hmm. Wasn't that easy? Hmm. I, that's a really good way of putting it. I love the, you know, digging yourself into a hole by not asking the simple questions. And it's really nice that she's thinking that she should be better at this You know, rabbits dig holes. Rabbits live in burrows, so she should know what to do. She has her plan. Like, I love the disco ball and all this other stuff, and it's just really simple. Uh, Drawn on a piece of paper. And what happens, she ends up in somebody else's burrow. I think it's the mouse and the, or the mole and the mouse. And the mouse is like, oh, let me get my red click pen out and like help you, help you. Yeah, click, let's go, let's get you fixed. And she runs away to keep digging into other animals' burrows to the climactic moment of just getting deeper, digging herself deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and getting into the crisis moment when she hits water and is desperate for help, even to go to the scary thing that growled at her to Mm -hmm. ask for help. Yeah, yeah, asking for help or I think I think that I read it's more like she was going to warn everybody and that was the closest door in the last one mm. that she ran into. But either way, I think works good. I love uh that when the creature emerges it's a badger. Um, which is my like mm, yes, Redwall. Um like the 
Badger understanding the problem and then giving like that roar. It's like such a well animated roar with um, very few. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Smear frames. Mm. So it's just like this very like realistic looking like gum smacking and spittle flying everywhere. It's very like Miyazaki monster roaring, but also like a fuzzy badger. It's so cute. Um, loved it. It was everything I wanted. I also like that the badger is just in that robe and is like the least threatening badger. Even though the first moment we met the badger, it's just black and just the teeth and a growl. Yeah. Get away from my door. And then it just turns out to be a badger in a robe with tea and pajamas. Like, it's just. He's grumpy and sleepy. Let him be. He's not scary. (laughs) That's just his way. That's just his way. I do also like the idea of everyone pulling together and digging a tunnel out to let the water out so then they could look at her thing. And they all come together and help her build this dream burrow. Uh, um, it's it's sweet. And I did watch um, the behind the scenes. They always have like a short um, behind the scenes for the Spark Shorts. I don't know if you watched it at all. I did not know. But um, she, Madeline talked a lot about how it was inspired by her experience at working for Pixar. Because it's so easy to run yourself into the ground, um, thinking that you ha- work for this place, so you have to have a certain sort of skills. And she talked about like overworking herself and getting her work done and everyone being impressed with her work, but she was pulling like all-nighters and everything to try to go and not asking for help when she needed it. And she's like, that's what this story is. Like, I just need help. Ask for the extension in deadline, ask for something, like just say when you're not confident about something and be okay with that. It's like, that's really nice. I really liked it. It's a good life lesson because it's uh, amazing how many scary things you can't ask for help from turn out to be just totally unfazed by any help you're asking for when you just ask. (laughs) Mm, That's a good way of putting that. Most deadlines are just a wish list to put a date on the calendar. Yeah. We hope to get it done by now. But it's just an arbitrary date. Yeah. That we put on the calendar. Unless it's a release date. And then, oh, you better better believe we'll get it out. I'm just really glad I didn't realize that dates were all arbitrary until after college. I could uh, harness that anxiety before then. <laughs> Do we have anything else to say on Burrow right now? Uh, my only real thing is I really enjoy the before and after image that the movie gives you because the first thing you see and the last thing you see is the rabbit um, installing the mailbox. Mm-hmm. And so the first image is, of course, trying to put the mailbox in above ground and it's not a very good mailbox and it falls over right away and they just don't care. And the last image is like fixing the mailbox and putting it up straight the way it belongs in it kind of tilts and the rabbit fixes it again like no no you're gonna stay right Mm -hmm. and it's that life lesson of like the beginning just kind of rushing through things to accomplish the thing that they think they want versus the end of like we're gonna do it right and ask for help right so i mean if you could just break down a story into like 
30 seconds of before and after for every movie. Like that's a pretty good, strong <laughs> before after. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, I, I, I do love the animation as well. It's, it's fun to see 2d animation from Pixar. And I know that it was chosen to be 2d because Madeline said she was more comfortable in that. She's like, I'm, I've tried the rigging, but I wanted these really big facial expressions, which were really beautiful and fun. Like the characters have majorly expressive faces and they're just super fun design wise. She's like, and I knew that I would help be able to help people and draw them because they only have six months to build these things out of their time. So much like any short film, uh, there may be very little dialogue And these are non-talking animals and they used Mozart music so they wouldn't have to get a composer. So it's like all these little, let's see how we can make this work in six months, which feels very on brand for that short itself in terms of the story it's telling. Let's all come together. Let's make this work with what we have and let's be in, let's use ingenuity. Yeah. Bless the spark shorts for being like the best funded student final films of all time. <laughs> well, should so we our talk? Second? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. We, go we ahead. shall talk about the second one. Um, <laughs> Genius Loci uh, from Adrian Marigot and Amory Ovis out of France. Um, going from something like so um, Aristotelian as Burrow um, and moving into Genius Loci, which is definitely an experience and kind of breaks a lot of what yeah. we think about animation and what a story can be. Yes. As as I said to my wife as we were watching it, because this was the first time she got to watch the shorts with me because she's usually at home playing babysitter. But um, I, it was... It was funny because I was I leaned, I was like oh we're getting the French one now <laughs> let's see let's see what we're getting from France this time but you're right there's it it's like not quite expressionist but it's it's very you you said experience you you're you're not getting like narrative in the same way. Um, you're not getting a character arc in the same way. You're getting ideas about character, but you're not getting a story. I think that there is like an emotional story that mm-hmm. can be articulated in the journey the character goes through that you go with with her. Um, but yeah, there things are happening in this character's life that we're not necessarily privy to. So you don't really understand all the emotions, but you can go along for the ride. Right. And that's what happens. You start off in a bedroom with a a young woman reciting poetry and then, and smoking because she's French. And then she leaves the room once uh, her sister's son, baby son, rule infant child, Saying all these words, uh, crawls into the room and she's like, your, your son walked in on me again. Like, keep him out of my bedroom. And um, the sister asks her to watch her while food is cooking and other things. And we immediately go into this 
very surreal experience of the kitchen and the things happening in the kitchen. And then she goes out into the city, which I was afraid for the kid the whole time. Uh, I could not relax at all because I was like, there's a kid at home. Oh, my gosh, you left the kid. Um, but she goes off on this journey out in the city, met with different people, different sounds, different experiences, and different locations. And in each location that she ends up, she has another emotional, auditory, and strange perception experience with that place and with those people where the essence of that place and those people is animated in a new and different way until she returns home and has to have this resolution with her sister because of the emotion that she's feeling at that time. That's what I can say in terms of arc of plot that things that happen. That's as close as I can get to <laughs> describing that. But because it is um, meditative in a weird sense is, is what I want to say. Yeah, it's hard for me to articulate like if the order of things that happen happened chronologically in actuality. Mm. Um there's a lot. It's very interesting to watch. It's very engaging to listen to. Like for me, one of the first things you get um, on the screen and in your ear holes um, is the image of like her with the cigarette and she like taps it on a Coke can to ash it. I think that's the word. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know smoking words. Sad. Like <laughs> fortuitously, I don't know. <laughs> but she. Ashes, question mark, the cigarette on the Coke can. Uh, But instead of, like, the tap of a rolled-up piece of paper on aluminum, you get, like, the chime of a meditation bell. And to me, it's, like, number one, that puts me in the state of, like, ah, I should expect the unexpected with this short. It's Mm. going to do things that are not in line with reality. And number two, it felt like maybe that vignette for me was like a reflection on everything else that happened. Like maybe that is real time. Everything else happened in the past at some point. I'm unclear, but I enjoyed the ride. That is interesting. Cause I didn't think about it. Obviously I didn't think about it as, um, could be all happening while she's in the kitchen and remembering all these things. That's an interesting way of thinking about it. I I took it at face value in terms that she left the house as opposed to a memory. That makes me less afraid for the child left alone in the apartment. So thank you for giving me that gift. Um, but But she goes into the kitchen and she watches the dinner on the stove that's boiling in a pot and it bubbles over and it's like the pot itself gets destroyed and... Like the water just goes everywhere and, but not really, not in a re- real kind of way. Like it, it's like, yeah. here is the essence of pot. And now the essence <laughs> of pot is to hold water. And now the essence of pot is broken. Like what happens if the pot is no longer living its essence and its value and it breaks and it just shatters everywhere. And you just feel 
chaos of water because now the pot is no longer pot. I don't know why I'm speaking like this. I'm sorry. But like, I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun. It's just the voice that I'm getting as I'm describing this. But, um, and then also she knocks over a cup. And what is cup if not to hold liquid? And now that cup's purpose, that cup's essence is now broken. And now we have chaos yet again. The spilled water all over the table, turning into an ocean of just chaos. And I f feel like once we get there, then we just start seeing everything else is just as strange and broken and, and interesting. You know, the the men cat calling her on the street turn into, mm -hmm. uh, they're not wolves, they're like dogs of some kind, I feel. I can't remember yeah, what. Yeah, a bell. And, and so they're like, you could see these vicious things and what their words are meaning. And then she ends up in this sanctuary with a friend, ex-girlfriend, question mark? I don't know. She ends up with a really close friend, and there's obviously intimacy between them in some form, friendship or otherwise. And she can't have this conversation with her. Like, the conversation, the relationship feels broken, and, you, like, both people dissolve, and you, you can't really see people anymore. And the art she form... Kind of reforms as the dog at that point i think right yeah, yeah yeah and then she becomes the dog um the main character becomes a dog and then runs home and ravages the apartment and rips it all to shreds as a dog and the sister comforts her holds her and she turns back into herself so could it be mental illness maybe could it be trauma of some kind possibly could it be a drug trip I don't know. It doesn't feel like it, it feels experiential and it feels like somebody lost in their own world, but I don't think it feels like a character having a hallucination. It's, it's an experience for us, the audience to, what, what do I, I've, I've often said that animation does best when it somehow stylistically can show us what's happening internally in a character for their thoughts or their emotions. And I think this is really strong in doing that. Like we yes. feel really disoriented and really worried and you're really put at, you are not at ease the whole time you're watching it. It feels like the world feels strange. There's a lot of like shots within a shot too. Like not every time is it filling up the entire screen. Mm. Sometimes the animation is happening in a smaller window and there's like this marginalia outside of it. Mm. I don't have to do with that yet, but that's, that's there. It's a thing that happens. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And also the, the different art forms where some of it look like line drawing and very geometric. And some of it ended up being very, um, there were a couple of things when she was out walking in the city that looked like screen print or like um, wood block print. I was like, that's mm. interesting. And the, the sanctuary wasn't a full sanctuary. It was like mostly windows that were like, we're in sanctuary now. So it was like light and color that gave you the place, but not, it's like being in a white box theater. It's everything's white and we just give you three windows and you 
intuit that this is church. This is a, a sanctuary of place. Yeah. It was a very evocative short while also like giving you nothing. <laughs> and I mean that not in a bad way. It's complimentary. To me, this definitely felt more on the, the, the side of the spectrum of like a film I would see in an art museum. Hmm. And I would enjoy it and like it. Um, unless uh, I think Burroughs like the exact opposite side of the spectrum. Well, that's a lie. Not the exact opposite. I think the next one is pure art museum. Um, and Burroughs the exact opposite, like narrative style. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised if an art museum picked Burroughs to have an, and not as like a dig at Burroughs, just like, you know, you don't expect to see like a narrative, like a narrative short that's so concrete like Burrow is in an art museum, whereas Genius Loci and the next one are very like open-ended. Mm-hmm. You you experience it and you interpret. You you are part of the meaning making of the art. You have thought and experienced it. You're just and stuck then, in the voice now. I know, I can't get out of it. Because <laughs> I feel I feel silly saying things like that. Like, I think that's what it is. I feel, this, this is what I do. I feel nervous about saying something that to me sounds like uh, pretentious. And so to take off that air of pretension, I put on a fake one. Which, that's fair. Which protects me, Chris Leva, from being pretentious and makes this character that I'm evoking be the pretentious one. People can't bucket you in with pretentious people. They can only bucket those thoughts in with pretentious thoughts. Correct. Not that this short is pretentious. I don't want anyone to think that. But it could sound that way when discussing its themes. Yeah, but I, I'd but agree. I, but I still really the- enjoyed it. It's not It's not pretentious that it's... Uh, it, I feel like true pretension, and I I feel like this is getting slightly off topic, but not really, but like true pretension is something where audience becomes no longer a factor in the art that you're making. It's all for yourself. And I feel like Hmm. this short isn't that. It does think about audience and the audience experience. I'm writing that down because that was so good. (laughs) Thank you. Pretension is when art becomes all for the creator and there is no thought for the audience. I think so. I have to repeat it for our listeners as well. Uh, I'd agree with that because this this is an open-ended short, but I feel like a pretentious short would be open-ended and very prescriptive about that open end. Mm-hmm. Like the end of a Christopher Nolan movie. Like, it's still spinning. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? I know it may seem weird to bucket like pop culture, Christopher Nolan movies and pretension, but that's how I feel. <laughs> Similarly, but something that I like that's pretentious is waiting for Godot. Mm. Which is very prescriptive in its open-endedness. And I think it's I think Waiting for Godot is a great novella. And every time I've tried watching Waiting for Godot, I hate it. I think it's a bad play, but I do like reading it. Hmm. Interesting. 
don't know, we don't have to philosophize about the spectrum of retention in this episode per se. We don't, but I'm glad that it came up. So yeah. let's let's move on to the third short. Oh gosh, I love I love seeing the conversations we get to have when we talk about animation. Look at this. Look at us go. Okay, so this third one is Opera by Eric O oh from the US and South Korea coming together somehow to make this short. Um, how do we describe this one? I've struggled with that. Um, this is definitely um, a hard right on the art museum end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But also not this felt to me, you know, like one of those um, app video games you can buy that are kind of interactive novel. Mm. It's like not really a game, but you kind of explore it at your leisure. Um, Monument Valley. Oh, I love Monument Valley. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like there is an element of like figuring out Monument Valley, but it's mostly pretty linear and about the experience of understanding it and having it happen. And it just requires more interaction than a traditional movie does. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of wish opera were that (laughs) there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's like trying to be monument Valley. Um, but without the interaction part. And I think I'd be perfectly content to like spend 45 minutes interacting with this giant pyramid of activity Mm. uh, and enjoying the little moments and experiencing that and just watching it loop. I'd really enjoy that. Um, Trying to process all of that happening in this animated short was very difficult. I think it still fits the definition of animated short and I'm I'm not questioning it being here. Um, I think it's just my personal like I, I wanted something slightly different than what we got. Sure. Because in this short, it begins at the top of this. You don't realize it's at the top of something. You just realize it's a mechanical world. Yeah. And it moves from night to day. And you start up and you start slowly moving down. And you see a king or a god and all these servants, and then it gets deeper and deeper and deeper, and you start seeing things go up and down, and things are interacting and moving, and it looks like uh, either bowels or a ping pong, not a, a pinball table, kind of, in a sense, like things are looping down, things are looping back up, Things are moving, like people are, there's fire, there are elements. It just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper to this small, low level. And then things start going wild down there at the bottom. And there's a fight, and there's a war, and there are giants, and there's a fish, and then um, city collapses, and things happen down there. And then you feel this reset and it moves back up through to see the see it come back online. So we end up back at the top and then 
as it's about to shift to a new day again, it stops. We're, we're done watching it because we've experienced the cycle. Yeah. I, I th- it had things to say? Question mark. <laughs> I don't, I don't, here's my big thing. Like, I know that originally we could have been watching this in the theater mm-hmm. and it would have been much larger and much louder and we could maybe see some of the intricate detail, but I watched it at home on my TV, which isn't the size of a movie screen. Um, it's large enough for me, um, but I felt like, I was like, I don't, I'm missing something. I'm missing some detail. Like, and there was a lot of detail and there was a lot of complexity. And I just felt, as I was watching it, I just constantly felt that I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like I'm not getting it because I feel like I'm blinking or I, I can't see something specific. I couldn't see where this tube went down and connected to, to see how this is really the thing that's powering this over here. And I couldn't see like the fish going back, you know, I I couldn't understand the message because I couldn't see the flow. I think I can articulate my qualms better now, having heard you try to articulate as well. Yay. I think that in, um, Film and movies and animation and TV, like what we're most used to in the art form is um, the director's finger pointing constantly like this is what you're supposed to pay pay attention to. And each shot is like a close up and you're following like one set visual path as an audience member. You always know where to look because that's what they're showing on the screen. Hmm. And in theater or opera... um, there's a stage with lots of things happening sometimes, especially in the larger, more grandiose operas of the Victorian era and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, what I learned in my theater classes was like every good stage place to us, the director's finger, like there's always something happening on stage, mm-hmm. but you direct a show in such a way that like each audience members generally knows where to look at any given time because that's where movement is happening or the lighting is. Um, and other things may happen and people can look where they want, but you're generally giving them like the suggested viewing path to follow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think opera as a short, um, there is a lot to miss. Like it didn't, I didn't know where to look. Mm. Um, and I think it's okay to challenge that fundamental assumption of like what narrative is. That's totally okay. I'm not saying that was a bad choice. Um, but for me personally, I think, I wanted to find that focus. And I think that's what I was thinking of for like a narrative video game. Like it's very open-ended. You can choose what to focus on rather than just having what felt like not enough focus. I understand that that does make a lot of sense because when I, we got to the bottom it took me a while to be like, oh, something's changed. Like, and I feel like that should be obvious, you know, or if not obvious, that a little bit more crucial, like it should evolve in a, in a known way. And maybe it did. And maybe I was noticing it exactly when the director wanted me to notice that things were different and things were wrong. It was just, 
it was hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Like I've, I felt like I, I just felt lost. Yeah. And if that was the experience that the director was intending, then it it did it. But I don't yeah. know. Again, we're not here to say like what art is. All these questions, they're okay to have in your art form and challenge it. And just Chris and Mackenzie wise, cool. Yeah. Glad it exists. Thank you so much for sharing your art with us. So um, speaking of sharing things, uh, shall we talk about if anything happens, I love you? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, this is from Will McCormick and Michael Govier, Govier, maybe, from the United States of America. Uh, this was on Netflix, wasn't it? Produced by yeah, Netflix? Yeah, I think it's available on Netflix for anyone to watch. Um, I was kind of putting it off, hoping that I would be able to watch all five shorts at once, and I'm, I'm glad I did. I don't think I could watch this one twice. Yeah, it was rough, and you kind of knew it was going to be because it sits in that space. It sits on that spot in the viewing, like, get ready. We've kind of warmed you up a little bit. Now we're going to make you feel something, and then, yeah. Yeah, I think that this is a very successful and well-made short. Um, it affected me in all the emotional ways and all the points that it sets out to affect the viewer emotionally, mm. but kind of simultaneously just feeling like, this is cheap, I get it, and I'm sad about this, but this is a cheap move. I can get that. It, it doesn't feel uh, rote, R-O-T-E. It doesn't feel like... Uh, <laughs> But it it does feel like a systematic punch. Like it's like this is the this is about something. You don't know what it's about, but it's about something, and we're gonna hit you with it and surprise you with what it's really about. And then you're gonna, if you're uh, like minded with us, you'll feel emotions about it. Yeah, it I, it takes a while to get there. It builds very slowly, then like a very suddenly like twist that it twists the knife in you essentially like you're not looking you're like what's happening look what's in this lovely like animated moment we're experiencing trauma backwards and trying to understand what the trauma comes from like oh there it is suddenly it's all very defined and put out there mm-hmm. so you you start with a married couple um trying to come together and you see these as we said the internal workings of characters represented in a interesting um, stylistic way. These shadow ghosts of the husband and wife existing outside of their bodies and interacting and hoping that they can communicate, looking both angry and sad and loving. Like every, every, all these emotions poured together, poured together. And then the, they can't quite make their connection at the table and you don't know exactly what's wrong, but the husband sits at the TV and seems like he's doing nothing. The wife ends up in this other bedroom, um, which I forget how she ends up there, but she seems surprised to be in there. 
I think the soccer ball falls off the washing machine and rolls into You're the right. bedroom. You're right. And she goes to investigate. and She's like, oh, gosh, I'm in this room. And being in that room, both her and the husband suddenly start having um, memories of this daughter. And from that moment, you're like this, okay, you <laughs> ask what happened. And I think if anything happens, I love you being the title. You're like, okay, well, what happened? And who is saying if anything happens, and, you know? You start going through like cancer, car crash. <laughs> like what, what could this be? And this very black and white short suddenly has like a full color, like American flag in a school. You're like, oh, I know what this is. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I I cried. It it hits those emotional cues perfectly. Mm-hmm. I I do enjoy the slow build with color. So we start realizing that blue is the color of the daughter. And then we start seeing that blue in all the places that are left over from her. Like the soccer ball is blue. The place in the wall that broke the wall that she kicked the soccer ball, that's still blue. So you see these places of memory that are just left over from her. And then you see these, I call them the trauma ghosts. You have the trauma emotional ghosts trying to keep them from re-experiencing this moment again, but also knowing that they have to experience this moment to push through it, to like come together. They can't keep avoiding what really happened, that there was a, that there was a school shooter that, that killed her. And the last mm -hmm. thing that she texted was, if anything happens, I love you. So it's nice mm -hmm. that they have in some ways in dealing with that, they it seems like they keep the memory of their daughter as opposed to avoiding that they had a daughter in some sense. It's like, no, let's not just mourn that she's not here anymore. Let's remember where, how she fit into our family. And I love that image of the trauma ghosts with the negative space between them being where the, the daughter's trauma ghost kind of fades away at the end. I mm -hmm. love that image. It's very nice. Mm -hmm. And I, I also do want to say that I think that of the things you can be nominated for an Oscar for, I think the animated short film is probably the only like reasonable, respectful way <laughs> to handle this topic. Mm. I think that any other full length film or live action film, uh, no documentary gets passed to, um, yeah. but any other narrative film medium, I think just would verge too quickly on trivializing or glorifying it. Either way, it's a, it's a very fine line to walk. Yeah. I can, I can definitely see that. Um, and I think it's because it's not dealing with the act. And I think most narrative things would move toward the, the act and the, the moment of that happening, as opposed to the ramifications and the emotional, because that's really what 
people should be investigating is the emotional trauma from those events and not just that the event happened. It's that it doesn't end with that event. The yeah. event lingers and continues and causes trauma. And probably each time that there is a soccer ball or a re reminder that past trauma feels real. I feel like uh, I can't remember the name of the person who said it, but it's, it's saying people who've experienced trauma, they're constantly having um, current experiences with previous trauma. Like trauma doesn't know whether it's now or from the past. It feels exactly the same and it lives in your body. And so anytime you're doing it, it feels like it's happening again. It's happening now. So it's just like very real now experiences with that same feeling as if it's over and over and over and over again. So, yeah, the fact that it was about the trauma and not about the school shooter or the experience and we didn't see anyone, it wasn't glorified or it wasn't, um, it didn't feel, oh gosh, I can't think of the word that I mean. Trite, incidental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it meant something a little bit more than that. Yeah. I'm glad it's finding, that people are finding a way to process these events in a way mm. also. I, there probably is a future of like five Academy Awards from now. It's like going to be all like processing trauma post gun violence. <laughs> Hopefully not. Maybe we'll be done by then. That's a lie. We won't be. Um, but maybe shorts, like if anything happens, I love you need to be more in the culture to kind of continue this conversation. Right. Even if uh, I felt like it was good, but a little too on the nose for me. Yeah. I, I can sense that. Well, yeah. should we discuss our last short film that was presented? The last of the nominees? Yes. Um, yes, people. Uh, from Gisli Dari Haldorsen and Arnar Gunnarsson out of Iceland. Um, you want to talk about a tonal shift um, in the order of these shorts. That is uh, what happens here. Um, that fourth in the lineup is that emotional trauma, and then fifth in the lineup is uh, slapstick comedy. Yeah. I, I saw it on the list here. And for a moment, I forgot it was one of the nominees, and I thought it was one of the um, special mentions. Like I was like, which one is this? This one was, which one? Yeah, this. I don't think there's anything wrong with the short. I think no. it's perfectly competent, executes it well. Um, it's cute. Um, do you have to have a message to be nominated for an Oscar? No. Does that mean that I understand why this film got nominated? 
maybe maybe also no for me like cute isn't enough mm. but again perfectly made if you're listening geesley or on R. I I feel like maybe that's part of it too though like it is beautifully made so I'm wondering if craft in because this is animation so using the craft of animation if not just narrative storytelling idea, if that's not all there, then well-crafted and beautiful because it, it was. And I don't know, I didn't check to see if it was, it looked like, um, it took, it looked like stop motion, but I don't know if it was the old trick of CGI that looks like stop motion, you know, CGI animated on, lower frame rate so it feels like stop motion or not yeah i i'm on again also i haven't checked either but i'm erring on the side of lower frame rate (laughs) yeah but it it was beautiful and you get to see these little vignettes of families that live in the same building and them go on their day you get to see a son falling asleep in school and you get to see the same son at night staying up late playing video games so you can find out why he was asleep. You kind of understand like uh, this one marriage that looks like there's not any love in it. And then you see like, no, there's there's some love in that marriage. That marriage is fine. It's this marriage over here that has issues. And so it's, it's interesting, but it, it's also... It's very much like, look at these characters. It's like the opposite of opera, where it was all focus on a tableau that's happening. I don't know. I don't really have any more thoughts on this one. It was, it was cute. Yes. I guess also with a name like Yes People, I kind of expected it to be for the, them to do something with that other than just everyone saying yes somehow or another. Like right. that's, that's their only way of speaking is each person has a word yes. So you're seeing more the behavior and less about what they're saying and what they're talking about. So you have to watch their actions and their character yeah. and their reactions. But they could have chosen like literally any other word with with like yes people. I just I don't know. I kind of expected it to be more about like a lesson about saying no or or they yeah. say yes too often. Some kind of meaning in there. Curse my expectations. I know, and I and I understand that from us. Like there's there's <laughs> enough of our expectation that that gets into how we ex- experience art. So. Mackenzie, did you notice, I, I think we talked about how we didn't really notice any themes, but after reliving through these and going through them again, were there any themes that we drew on or started to find other than animation is really diverse? Yeah, I guess thematically they're all very diverse, but I feel like we started to identify um and discuss the focus of each one and how it focused or didn't focus intentionally on what was happening. And each one felt like they were 
large worlds where you either weren't shown everything or were shown a whole lot of everything. Because mm. even Burrow, although we discussed that before we started getting to focus, like there's a lot of different Burrows in this network and we focus on one thing at a time to kind of follow the path of the Burrows downward. That's true. And each of the Burrows themselves are highly, highly detailed, but the characters themselves are super, super simple. So mm-hmm. it has a nice contrast. Like they're beautiful living spaces, like gorgeous living spaces in there. It's like intentionally Scooby Dude. You know what the backgrounds are and what the characters are. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they always add some to turn it into an evening of animation. They always add some of the other shorts that were sort of up for the nomination and um, may not have gotten it, but are worth mentioning. Yeah, I think there's two this year that I think are worth mentioning, one of which is in the shorts.tv section and the other one is not, um, that are related to previous nominees we've talked about. Mm -hmm. In the shorts.tv presentation, there is the Snail on the Whale short, which is um, like another episode-length thing from the same people who did Room on the Broom, which we talked about a few years ago, Mm -hmm. and we both really loved. It's British nursery rhyme type fun, cute adventure. Yeah. Totally satisfying, though. Like, well, well, beautiful animation, fun, nice characters. Yeah. A little and problem here and there, but... Nothing of real danger. Right. And the other one that's not in the short stuff TV presentation, but I've been meaning to rent and watch, is the third World of Tomorrow short oh, from yes. Dan Hertzfeld. I just need to line those all up one night, just binge them, because I've been meeting for a while to watch number two, and I was like, oh, number three came out. And also wasn't nominated. Okay, I'll watch these. I'll find a way. Yeah, same. Exactly the same. I've, I thought about that two weeks ago. It's like, I need to watch these. There's a third? There's a third? Yeah. So that was on my, my other shorts from this year. I think there's some other good Spark shorts that have come out at various points. Yeah. I'm trying to think because time is non-existent. I don't know what Spark Shorts came out for this year's eligibility period and which ones came out for last year's. But I'm, I'm hoping with things like that, and I know like uh, Cartoon Network started their new shorts program back up again. So let's hope we'll get some really fun, interesting shorts in, in the next year to come. Seems like a good time to be going into animation mm-hmm. if you like have art skills, unlike Chris and McKenzie. So here's always the question, um, because it's an award show. Um, who will win McKenzie? What is your prediction? I think that I am rooting for, and I think Burrow will win. Um I could see it going to if anything happens, I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, but both of my flavors of prediction are in Burrow. I see. I feel like because of topical subject matter, I think if anything happens, I love you is probably going to win it for the meaningfulness award. 
Um, for artfulness, I would be rooting for, you know, Genius Losi and for just personal reasons and just overall construction, I'd be rooting for Burrow. So those are my, that's how I'm going to three-way that, that prediction. I, I really... Way to cut the baby into thirds, Chris. I really do believe, though, that if anything happens, I love you, it's going to win. And I, not that it doesn't have anything to do with its quality, um, but I think that is going to win possibly because of some other things that are wrapped up in that experience. Yeah, that's fair. Do you have a favorite thing from any of them or your favorite favorite? I, ju- I just love the the red click pen, that really distinct sound effect and that happy face of that mouse at Burrow, just like seeing, hey, there's possibility here. Click, click, let me help you with that. That's just my favorite thing. I just love that little guy. What about you? Uh, I also have a favorite thing that's a nice little moment from Burrow. It has like almost no impact on the story itself. <laughs> But as the rabbit is running, one of the last burrows um, that they run through is like a little hot tub burrow with a newt in it. Mm-hmm. And the newt's like drying off with a towel and the rabbit bursts in. There's a moment where they stare at each other and the newt just like smiles, takes the towel off and like does a little gesture at his body. Like, do you like what you see? And it's just such a nice, well-executed character moment of like each thing the newt does in succession. The timing is perfect comedically and also like on top of everything the rabbit has just gone through of running away like there's some weird flashing newt well he wasn't flashing her she just landed in the tub and then she's she's wet now and he's like oh i have a towel do you want this towel oh is that what it is that's how i read it maybe i I got flashing (laughs) newt i mean Who's to say that he wasn't happy with, you know, wasn't proud of his glowing body. But I I also saw him like, do you need help? Do you need a towel? I have a towel. <sighs> That's probably the better, more accurate thing that happened. Because, <laughs> yeah, that is offering help. Which is the theme that the rabbit keeps refusing. But in a way, flashing is also a way of offering help. That the rabbit is still refusing. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Shall we talk homework time? Let's. For your homework, watch the Sony animated film The Mitchells vs. the Machines, formerly connected, formerly The Mitchells vs. the Machines, on Netflix. Now, formerly in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> But now on Netflix. I'm so excited to be able to watch this movie. It, it looks fun. It's still coming out before Black Widow. So, you know, we're doing good. Ooh. My new go-to is, when are you going to be back in office? <laughs> Whenever Black Widow comes out. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Cotito. It's Jacob Reed and the Champagne Drops for our theme music. You can find us on the web. Tell us what you think about any of the nominees on Twitter at WG Animated. Find us on Facebook, like us there, and find show notes and links to information on writersgetanimated.podbean.com. And is this where we usually put the winner is? Like, are they going to happen? Or 
Yeah, there will be a winner. Okay. On, well, no, we won't have the winner this time because we're actually oh, on top no. of it. We're recording it before the winners come out. Oh, man, that never happens. I guess. So I guess the next episode, if we remember, we'll have to do a follow-up. All right. Well, uh, good night, everybody. And we'll see you after the Oscars. <laughs>